All right. We are embarking an NBA season like no other. Nah, I'm just... That was a little bit of an embellishment. Look, it's mid-October. It's finally mid-October. NBA season, guys. October 17th. Let's go! Let's go. Um, what I'm excited about is... I think in most years uh, that I've been an NBA fan, there has been an obvious uh, NBA winner. And I get the sense that although it's Brooklyn... There could be stuff that implode there, hopefully with the Kyrie situation. What I want to talk about in today's pod is some burning questions leading into the NBA season. The first one is with Brooklyn. Are they favorites? When I say favorites, are they, you know, minus 110 or better? Are they more than 50% favorites to win the NBA title? I'll dissect. So my gut tells me, yeah, they are, first and foremost, which is unfortunate. Um, and the reason why I say that is, uh, unfortunately, in the last you know thirty years, it's where you have a team that has three guys uh, the top fifteen in the NBA. Now, whatever, like forget the mind games of Kyrie and all that crap. Um, Durant is at worst what two, and Harden is tops five, top seven. Honestly, he might be top five. He's probably, you know, in that range. And and there's a one healthy, but he's healthy. Like, Kawhi's not healthy, so I'm not sure about him and all that, right? Um, and Kyrie, you know, if he's not a, a problem or anything, that is at worst top 15, top 18 maybe, maybe top 20. So, again, it, it, the team's as talented, you know, as 2016 or, or uh, 2017 Warriors with, with KD's first year there. That's a ridiculously talented team. Um, this team, to me, is more talented than those LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat teams, to give you an idea of, of how much they're favorites. Um, and honestly, it's more talented than the Bulls teams. Now, granted, the Bulls teams are ridiculous, but again, there weren't the free agent superstar kind of matching up like there is today. And that Bulls team, you can make an argument more sense on paper. But it's just pure freakish talent. Brooklyn is so good. And what, what annoys me about Brooklyn is they hit on the small... Pickups, right? So, for example, last year, where I get annoyed is um, is on like the Bruce Brown pickup. Like, if you're Detroit, Bruce Brown's having a nice year for you. The prior year, Secret Dubai is rookie year. Brown played well as starting guard, and they need wings. And they gave Brooklyn and Brown for like nothing. Dezana, who was the second round pick, he's out of the league. And Brown, honestly is like a real solid rotational player. Like, he'd be a rotational player on any team in the league, right? So, like, Brooklyn's, if you for, if you knock out Brooklyn's top three and you just analyze them four through eight and how they compare four through eight, now, they're not the best four through eight in the NBA, but they're in the top half. So, if you, com- you combine those two elements, i.e., they have easily one of the best top threes in NBA history – and then their fourth rate is actually, like, above average. That team's ridiculous. So you got Blake Griffin playing all that. So, unfortunately, I do – if I was a betting man, and I check out SI Sportsbook uh, this fall for all your NBA action, FYI, especially if you're in Colorado, which I'm sure we have tons of viewers from, I, I, I can't envision those odds. If those odds are pluses in any book, I, I, w- I would take them. I would, unfortunately. I hate to say I hate Brooklyn. They're so hateable. 
they're they're honestly like competing with the with the uh, the Yankees in terms of like New York hate, just a super hateable team. But they're they're that's a burning question. I I, I do think they have above fifty percent odds of winning. Okay. Um, here's what's what's fascinating to me. The first time in a while, the West the Western Conference burning question: Who's going to win the West? Western Conference completely up for grabs, in my opinion. Um, I, I get annoyed when small market teams like don't take risks. Like people again, like you know, crap on Brooklyn all you want. Uh, they got Harden, blah blah blah. It's so annoying, not fair. They took the risk. They took the risk on Harden. Other teams could have taken that risk, and they should have. It is super rare to have a top ten guy in the NBA available in his prime. Right? If you think you're somewhat contending, take the risk. If you're Indiana, take the fucking risk. I mean, like, where are you going? And by the way, lessons going to be learned on Simmons. This keeps happening. Ben Simmons is available eventually as we come closer to the start of the season. And I didn't want to talk about Simmons on this pod because we talked about him on a separate pod. But as Simmons becomes available, you're going to see teams again, weighing the risk, I don't know, you can't shoot in the fourth, blah, blah, you're getting a top 15 talent. All right? So again, same teams. If you're one of these, like, sniffing second round slash second round teams that you could easily lose in the second round and you're, you know, a star away, you look at it, and I'm talking about, there's like a, a eight teams in this category that should be taking a hard risk on Simmons. It's not even that big of a risk, but, you know, scared money don't make money, especially in the NBA. So, and Simmons might look better in a small market, but, you know, Indiana, um, Denver, uh, they need to, Atlanta, they need to really make that move. All right. It's a burning question to me. I want to go over some awards and combine that with the burning question theme a little bit. Who's going to win what and everything like that. So, Start with some of the, the more anomaly ones. So the more random award, like Coach of the Year. So Coach of the Year usually is like the most surprised team, right? Like which team was the biggest surprise? So last year, I did think Thibodeau did one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in the NBA in my lifetime. I still believe that. No one had them, um, you know, that going that hot, which is which is fantastic. So definitely a great a great job. Um, now the, the typical candidates, like, you know, like, look, I'll be honest, like Snyder, first of all, coach of the year really shouldn't be one year. They need to do like a separate award of like coach of the last five years. Like Popovich should have won like this, like legacy coach award. Like who's the last, best coach the last 10 years. But if you look over the last five years or so, like Quinn Snyder deserves a ton of recognition because he's significant coach of the year every year. And it's a little bit of fatigue, so he doesn't. He only wins it once. But like, on paper, Utah does not have a number two banana. Really, really. I mean, Conley Jr. is 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 up there in age, and Gobert isn't an offensive talent. He's a defensive guy. Look, look at the team. It makes sense. It's clean. It's a nice rotation. Don't get me wrong. But they're the number one seed in, in in the West, and they could be the number one seed again, and they should be sniffing the conference finals. And you look at the other teams in the West. With a lot more talent, so Snyder's doing something right. Last five years, he he, he should be someone that gets like kind of that like legacy coach award, whatever you want to call him. But the West is wide, wide open. Someone needs to make a move. Phoenix, 
and, and, and it could end up being, right, the team that gets lucky. And I'm not saying Phoenix got lucky. They're good. But they also played teams that were injured down the stretch. That had major injuries, right? Kawhi with the Clippers. Conley Jr., as we talked about, was out. So it could end up just being like the NCAA tournament where, like, there's three or four teams that could win it in the West. And it's just going to be a matter about the path they take and everything like that. Um, but again, my surprise team out West, as I said, you know, my predictions thing, uh, is going to be the San Antonio Spurs. And first of all, like Utah, I, I think they're creeping up. They're starting to creep up. They're getting great youth. Um, everyone's hitting, hopefully, at the right time. So they're going to have a team that makes sense. Keldon Johnson's getting better. Vassal's getting better. Pirtle, DeJounte Murray, uh, Derek White. So really, you know, Lonnie Walker, they're developing their talent slowly but surely. They're going to be a strong team, and they're they're – they're getting the right talent, which is lengthy wings, which is important. So I see, to me, as a you know, San Antonio being a surprise team, that Popovich is going to flirt with Coach of the Year. Now, the other candidates could be whoever wins the West. So, again, Quit Snyder, if Utah wins it. It could be Mike Malone if Denver wins the West, which is highly likely. Um, you know, does Portland move up? And, you know, do they give Billups something? I don't know. A lot of times rookie coaches also – so that's in the West. In the East, same thing. Who's going to surprise? So I don't see too much of a surprise. I, again, I like Indiana a lot. So Carlisle is there. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going to give my vote. It's going to be between Greg Popovich in the West and Nate McMillan in the East. Because I like Atlanta a lot. They're deep. And they played so well in the second half. I, I think Nate McMillan is going to get his... Uh, you know, is going to earn it. And but what's funny is, like, the recycled coaches never get it. Nate Mullen is a recycled NBA head coach who's got a shot at Coach of the Year. It's pretty interesting. Usually the, those guys, they tend to get recycled, and they eventually, like, wear out and they come out of the league or their top assistants. It's a pretty unique situation. Uh, most disappointing team in, in each conference, just to kind of hit on that as well. So in the East, I don't think this is, like, that much of a, a unique thought. But there's two for me. Um, first is definitely Philadelphia. They're not going to be that. I mean, I think the Simmons thing is really going to kill them. <coughs> so much so, I think there's a chance they fall out of the playoffs. I honestly do. Um, hashtag don't at me. Um, I think they're going to realize how much Simmons meant to that team. I think Simmons is really good. Uh, he does so much. I understand. He can't shoot. I get it. But you put them on the on the court. So it used to be. I'll, I'll take I'll take a little uh, tangent here. It used to be when I was getting into analytics in the early two thousands. Like if you had a shitty defensive one through four, like your point guard shooting off small forward, power forward, roll poor on defense. But you had a great defensive five. You could at worst be average defensively. Like a great defensive five was that important. So guys like Joel Prisbilla, I remember this was like a really strong defensive five. If he was in your unit, you were good. Amir Johnson, in his like first years in Toronto, 2009-ish, he made them an average defensive team because they were terrible on defense, but they, they had him at the five. They're good, okay? You look old school. The Utah Jazz teams of the 80s and 90s with Mark Eaton, he made them quality. Matumbo made his te- team's quality. No one else had to play defense. The five had to play defense. Fine. Now that's not the case at all. 
You need everyone playing D, but the most important type of player to have is guys who are incredibly switchable. So they can switch out on a handler and cause havoc, and then go back and switch on the roll guy or, or, um, or, or you know, cover the other guys at, at the wing, right? So now you look at, at that's where you're going to value defense. That's the team aspect. Like, who does the best job of that? And in my opinion, it's Ben Simmons by a mile. Draymond Green's got nothing on him. He doesn't. Like, Green, first of all, doesn't shut down people. So Simmons can play the shutdown card. You could put him on a certain player, like like Trey Young in the playoffs, as we saw, and he shuts him down. Draymond Green does not shut guys down. It's not like, all right, Green, take Tatum. But Tatum is going to cook him. All right? Like, it's going to be rotisserie chicken tonight. So while Green claps a lot, which is great, you know, um, and communicates well, I, I don't think, you know, he's nowhere near Simmons level um, on the defensive end. There's such a massive gap there from a defensive standpoint. He's, he is by far the best defender in the league. And it's one of the bigger gaps I've seen since, from a wing perspective, since Scottie Pippen. So I'll say that about Simmons. Um, and Philadelphia's going to see that value. And he, you remove Simmons. Look, I'll be honest. People forget about this. Philadelphia's team is not that good. Okay? Full stop. It's not. Like, Embiid's pretty good, of course. You know, and then Harris is your number two without Simmons. That team is not good without Simmons. It's a ninth seed. You'll see. You'll see. Right? Shake Milton, please. You'll see. Look, in the end, if you're if you're dependent on Furkan Korkmaz, Furkan Korkmaz getting thirty minutes and putting up fifteen and five, you 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 got a problem. You got a problem. So Philadelphia is going to be a, a big disappointing team. The other disappointing team, because I got to mention it, is going to be Chicago. The Bulls are turning into the early two thousands New York Knicks. Why? They're really tiny guys based on like you know fourth grade stats, like points per game. Things I looked at the back of a basketball card. Well, DeRozan, you know, averaged 20 and 7 last year. How the fuck does he make sense with Lonzo Ball and, and Vucevic in the same lineup? Right? All those guys need the ball. Uh, by the way, Zach Levine does too. You know, and by the way, that's one side of the ball. That's one of the worst defensive units I've seen in my entire life. I mean, let's just look at the defense, guys. Ball, Levine, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Vucevic. Horrific, horrific D. What GMs and, and again, like this is I keep complaining about this because you or I, your listeners, could do a better job than a lot of these GMs. This is not hard. The tight teams have to make sense. So the Bulls kind of messed up. They never they didn't sell high on Kobe White. We knew immediately, and I was saying early on to do deals with for Mikel Bridges. And now you can never do a deal like that. But in his rookie year, I could tell Kobe White was going to be this like nice phenom backup point guard, sixth man, basically. And I said they should look at Phoenix, who wants a point guard at the time, who totally would have swapped um, White for Bridges. And Bridges would have been a perfect fit next to Levine. You start Sandoransky, you get a two-way team going. But no, 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 no. They don't go that route. There's a lot of what-ifs down there. And by the way, that trade wasn't like a – that was something that I thought of, not, you know, the Bulls. So – they have a weak, weak bench. Caruso's your sixth man, for fuck's sake. The Bulls are going to be bad. They might miss. They'll probably make the plan and spin it like it was a success. If they make the play on that the plan, that's not a successful season. That's a disappointing team. Going into the West, 
Um, I think the Lakers are are, are are potential here. People have them winning the West, but like Westbrook, I mean, the fit is not great, and and also the Lakers are dependent on the fact that they could just coast throughout the regular season. So again, I see something similar to last year, where they're going to coast, coast, try to make the plan and try to win the playoffs. And I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be successful. And also, I think a lot of the teams are going to be a little bit better. Jordan Poole looks good at Gold State. Um, you know, Memphis is still strong. A lot of the bottom feeders in the West, i.e., teams like eight through, t- you know, seven through ten or so, are good enough to um, infor- ensure rather that the Lakers would need to play uh, a full team most of the time. So the Lakers, I can see, is a disappointing team. I don't think they're going to fall out of the 10, but they're probably, they might get into a play-in. They might find themselves 9 or 10, not 7 or 8. Either way, below 6 is a disappointment, I would think, for them. Really, outside of them, I mean, it's the you know, no one else I see as um, an obvious one, right? Like, you know, Golden State's going to be dependent on Clay coming back and, and what happens there. So that could go a, a bunch of different ways. Um, I'm going to call them a disappointment. I can see Memphis purposely trying to slip up some, become sellers at the deadline, um, you know, hopes of getting in the lottery again. You know, they kind of similar. They don't want to repeat the Dallas mistake, which is like getting too good too early. Right. Dallas became Dallas wasted their assets, became good too early. And now we're kind of stagnant at that, like six seed range. Um, And by the way, Dallas can be disappointing as well. But. I have I have L.A. Lakers as more than a disappointing team. Um, we talked about Coach of the Year. We talked about surprise and disappointing teams. Uh, let's talk about sixth man. So, typically for this award, it's usually like a backup combo guard. A lot of people continue to have Sweet Lou uh, in this award. I feel like he, he he's an honorary member. It's a pretty stupid award. Like, best bench player? Like, it's just, I don't know. Because, like... There's also certain teams that just play that way. So it's less to do with the player and more to do with, like, the staff and the coach. Like, if the coach, and I agree with this style more or less, likes having the third best player come off the bench, then that team will have someone in the running for six-man. Okay? So that's really all it is. Like, I don't know. If I were Boston, um, I don't know if I... You know, I'm clever about who I mean. I don't. I don't start my, you know, smart necessarily. Uh, maybe I make him sixth man. If I'm um, Charlotte, you know, I want to be better defensively than starting unit. Maybe Rozier sixth man. They're not going to think this way, but those are the people, the, the coaches that think that way, tend to have someone win the award. So, if you had to force it, um, I actually think uh, Derek Rose has got a shot here. With the Knicks. Because um, if you could put up even a little bit worse numbers, but Kemba Walker starts, it actually makes more sense starting. And you start something like Walker, you know, Fournier, Barrett, right? As they're one, two, and three. I, Rose is a good call. He's got a shot. Curious what his odds are, but um, I like him. I like him for the award. Um, That's sixth man. Most improved player. So typically, like a second-year guy uh, who finally gets a higher usage 
or playing time, and then, and then he's put in a position to be successful. I like Darius Garland here. Uh, a lot of I know there was like a GM research thing. A lot of them agree. Uh, I think Cleveland clearly wants to move Sexton. They want to uh, make more room for Garland. Garland's the guy. Garland's my most approved player. Other guys to consider. Michael Porter Jr., perhaps, if he gets added burn and, and, and better usage and all that. Um, yeah, that could be a good one. I'm trying to think of other second-year talent that, that just might pop up, but for now, you know, he makes the most sense. Or a guy that was hurt um, you know, could, could end up making the most sense there. Um, Six-man most rookie of the year. So, again, this is usually, you know, a bad team that, that's going to give the guy usage. I think this is Jalen Greed's award to lose on Houston. Uh, he's going to have all of the keys needed to win this bad boy. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't. That's an easy bet. I'd parlay these bad boys. Green with something else. It's such a, it's a no-brainer for me that he, uh, he takes that. Cunningham, the problem with Cunningham in Detroit is, like, He's not there yet. It's a little messy, that team around him. Um, I don't know. I just don't think there's too many slashers. They had to set it up better. If I were Detroit, everyone's going to laugh at me. I would move Grant for, for youth that could space and really build this team around Cunningham, uh, Hayes, and Bay more. It, it's hard to do that with Grant there, who also needs the ball. But now Grant can space. Right, so then what do you do? So I think um you know, you just let like Grant uh, to Boston for uh for Hernan and Gomez, Naismith, Pritchard, uh, and a pick or maybe Langford. Boston's way too deep. I think that totally makes sense. This is one example. But yeah, Detroit needs spacing, so I think Jalen Green's gonna take it. I do. He's gonna have a ton of opportunity there. Um, and then finally, um, you know, MVP. Let's, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive on this one. So, well, yeah, with MVP, usually it's going to go to Barkley says his best. It's usually the best player on the team with the best regular season. It really happened the last couple of years, right? So, like, if, if Utah has the best record again, like, Donovan Mitchell has to be in conversation. Was Like, even, you know, Jokic's season wasn't so, I mean, it was great, but, like, he was a three or four seed. If Portland's a top three, maybe Lillard gets some consideration out uh, out west. Um, in the east, you got to figure that the big three in Brooklyn are going to cancel each other out. Now, if there's injuries and KD stays healthy, this should be his award to lose provided that Brooklyn has the best record. Giannis would make a ton of sense, but I don't think the league is going to want to continue to give him MVPs. They usually have fatigue with this. So the question is, okay, who could be the three seed uh, or top seed in the East? So if Boston moves up there, Tatum's going to flirt with it. Uh, but I think Tatum, Donovan Mitchell's got a shot. Lillard's got a shot. Um, if the Lakers get top four, they're going to want to give it to LeBron. Um, you know, uh, Either they go for a legacy pick, they're not going to go for a fatigue pick. So, again, if the Lakers are, like, top four, LeBron's going to take it. Um, and I think he wants to show it at this age. He's pissed he didn't get it last year. 
or was it the conversation enough? Usually rests too much to get it. Um, but I do think he cares about his legacy. Anthony Davis might get it, but Davis gets hurt all the time. It's a tough one. This is a tough MVP one. Um, it really is. I, look, I'm going to say it's KD's to lose. Honestly, Durant's probably going to take it. I hate saying that. Durant's going to win MVP. Hard to get to. He's going to get it. And that's going to put him in the other bridge a lot. All right. We will speak later.